Welcome to Sister Hack. Do you crave candid conversation? And are you curious about how others deal with the details of work, home, family, and everything in between? Well, sisters Hannah and Rachel have conversations about the unspoken dynamics that drive our everyday lives. And we have more in common than you think. So when you listen to Sister Hack, you too can share hacks and laughs that help make this convoluted life a little funnier and a little more clear. So now introducing Hannah and Rachel. Hey, Hackheads. We're back. I'm Rachel. And I'm Hannah. And we are sisters, and we are the hosts of this podcast, Sister Hack Podcast. Um, Season three, been doing this for a couple years now, and we're just so glad you're here. So glad you're listening. Every time someone tells me that they listen, I'm like, just so thankful. How do you feel when you get I feel grateful, too. We are a monthly episode with the summers off, um, so we, <laughs> we don't put out a lot. We, we don't put out a lot of episodes, um, and we might not be at the top of your, like, app, Apple podcast library list. But we are five um, stars. We are five stars. We're proud of it, and um, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. We just wanted we just wanted to let you know that we're thankful and that we're sisters. <laughs> we're sisters. Uh, for this episode, September, welcome to the fall. It does not feel like fall in Texas, I'll tell you that. Um, we have a really um, invested guest, I guess we'll say, and we'll get to him a little bit later, but we're going to talk all about the psychology of going back to school with a school psychologist. So I wanted to warm us up a little bit, Rach, by asking you, what were the best parts of going back to school now and then? So we're both in the academic calendar, so we go back to school technically now. But what about when you were like actually like in the K through 12 sector? So I thought about this a little because you prepared me beforehand as, mm-hmm. as, as the planner that you are. And a huge, a huge excitement factor for going back to school for me especially in grade school was getting new shoes oh yeah that was huge and a new backpack I can I can remember a couple of shoes specifically and a couple of backpacks but let me just share you know like the really big fat white shoes that are really in right now that are like kind of dirty I love Fila's yeah, Fila's or Adidas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to have a pair like that, and I felt really cool. And I remember thinking back about those white tennis shoes at an older age and thinking, wow, those were so uncool. But now they're back. So I feel good. What about. goes around comes around. <laughs> and then the other two things that I loved about back to school were organizing my school supplies. I would yeah. check on them before school started and seeing if there were any new kids in my class, especially in grade school. We usually got a handful of new students every year and that was beyond exciting. I couldn't even sleep the night before thinking about who my new friends would be. What about you? Those all resonate with me. I would agree with all of them too, but I think like at the high school level, I loved um, that first day when you get your schedule. Oh yeah. And you I'm see a, who's all in your class. And then you got to go around and match it up. Like, what? when's your lunch? When's mm-hmm. your, you know, and it's like, some people are very disappointed. <laughs> some people are very. I felt like I had a lot of control over my schedule. Oh, wait, hold on. I lost you. Well, you probably did. Okay, say so I got you back. Um, what do you say about your schedule? I was just going to say you probably did have a lot of control over your schedule. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you could go to your guidance counselor and get some things changed around if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, oh, my friend's in second period religion. I should probably go to that because. Because <laughs> I like the teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Um, Wait, we have we talked about how I have, dr- how I have dreams 
about three times a week about high school, forgetting my locker combination, being in second lunch when everyone's in third lunch, forgetting. Wow, that's frequent, three times a week. Yes. No, we haven't talked about that. My only bad dream is that I have to take a final for a class that I didn't go to all semester. Mm-hmm. That one, that one haunts me. I think we should look these up. We will for the October episode. We'll look them up. We'll tell you what, what they mean. If, you, if COVID-19 had hit when you were in high school, what would the best or worst part of it have been if you were in high school now? And you oh my goodness. I think it would be terrible. Would have been terrible. I would not have um, been able to see a lot of like the bright side with that because so much of high school is social and friends and Kevin he talks about that in our episode our school psychologist Mm -hmm. I think the worst part definitely would have been um just having to navigate the academic world without the without being in classes with everybody like if you were virtual Mm -hmm. and without the social fun goofy parts of high school and the best part, I suppose, would have been, like, everyone's always really tired in high school, so maybe I could have gotten more sleep. Yeah. When I think back to how active we were in high school, it is fascinating to think everything that we did in a day. Oh, yeah, that is true. Like, the high school schedule is grueling, so maybe a little bit yeah. of a break from that. Like, when I was in college, I was like, I couldn't go back to high school. You have to go to class, like, eight classes a day. Eight classes a day preschool meetings, post-school meetings, post-school athletic service. Yeah, that's a lot. Then homework, air quotes. <laughs> I didn't do homework at home. Air quotes for you. For me, I did for it. You. Um, yeah, I would say for both of us, we were, high school was all about the social. 100%. But you know what? Here we are. Very academically. Capable. Capable in our old age and social ish we are social and scholarly i was trying to think of the s word for an alliteration um really quickly uh we have a a newer segment that i'm just starting right now starting today with each monthly episode i'd like to give a hacky birthday shout out to the listener <laughs> And so I went on my Facebook upcoming birthdays and I noticed that Emily Coho has a birthday September 19th. And I know that she is a big time hack head. She's a happy birthday, Emily coworker of mine at Concordia. So happy birthday, Emily. And thank you so much for supporting sister hack podcast. And if you would like a happy birthday shout out in the future, um, go ahead on over and follow us at Sister Hack Podcasts on Instagram and just like engage with our stuff and then we'll know that you're here for us and we'll be there for you via Hacky Birthday Shout Out. Yes, and that is just, well, that would just mean the world to us. You know, we're really grateful for the listeners. <laughs> um, speaking of loyal listener, our guest um, today, and we're going to get into this when we talk with him. He's one of the most loyal, but aside from being a big sister hack fan, he's also an amazing school psychologist and has been for about 10 years now, um, maybe a little less, and an amazing dad and friend to us. So with no further ado, let's get to Kevin Lewandowski. All right, we are here with Kevin. And um, before we get started, I just wanted to give a little introduction um, let's actually paint the picture of what Kevin is wearing tonight, Rich. Yes. You know, I I just was hit with a moment of, I feel like we kind of look alike, Kevin. <laughs> Compliment, thank you. <laughs> but, so when we were on Zoom, Hannah, myself, and Kevin, and when when Kevin entered the Zoom room, he was he was in a hat. <laughs> And the hat had a homemade sign on it that says, number one, hack head. And just, I mean, if you can imagine giggles and the awe and the thankfulness. 
Kevin is a huge Sister Hack listener, and he he he's a big hackhead. Maybe number one, definitely top five, definitely top three male hackheads. Yeah, yeah, and that even includes our family because, as you all know, we had my brother on last month, and I don't think he's listened to an episode yet. No offense to Peter. Well, maybe he listened to his own now. But he's Kevin is also Anyways. a dear dear friend of ours, mine in particular. He will bring up the fact that he never got invited to my wedding, but that's honestly because I didn't know him at the time. So it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of like I didn't really Hurtful. know. Him. Yeah. Know. Let Kevin let Kevin say hello. Yeah. Say hi, Kevin. No, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um I've been waiting for this invitation for what feels like three seasons now, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm hoping to offer some valuable insights without getting too starstruck by one of my favorite five-star podcasts. So I'm just really excited. Wow. <laughs> Truly. Well, and beyond being a loyal fan, we, we would have him on just because he's such a loyal fan, but he's also a wise friend, and he's a school psychologist, he works at Arrowhead High School. Um, for those of you who live in Wisconsin, you probably know what that is because it's like, is it the biggest high school in Wisconsin? Second? Yeah, it's probably top three. Top three. Top How big three. is it? Uh, like 2,100 students. 2,100 students. Yep. That doesn't that's seem big. that big to me. Is that, is that big? That's yeah, huge. that's big. Yeah, huge. I mean, for, for Wisconsin, they don't get... You're right. You're right. That big, like right. maybe Middleton is pretty big. But. Yeah. Okay. That's big. That's big. <laughs> so he sees a variety of people, um, and we thought that this was a really timely episode um, for a school psychologist to be on Sister Hack because so many of us have kids or um, loved ones' kids or no kids <laughs> who or are work going, in, or work, work in, in school schools. settings. Yep, and you have to go back to school or send your child back to school um, in a really turbulent time and a time of unknowns. And so um, we hope that today's episode is just really helpful um, for all of us who are experiencing a different September than normal. Um, but also we hope that uh, Kevin can kind of bring just some of his knowledge and um, experiences to the table which will help us all as we get through it together so kevin we're going to start you out with hack yeses and hack no's of essential developmental experiences heck yes so we kind of thought of some things that uh, might not happen this year and especially at the high school level that you work at and if you think that it's essential and that we're kind of missing something big then say heck yes that is essential if it's not then you know the drill you know why am i even explaining this section to you yeah so what's this segment <laughs> no i'm just kidding I good know. one good one kevin but i yes i'll i'll start it off here so okay. hack yes or hack no social extracurriculars such as dances pep rallies sporting events or concerts So heck yes. I, uh, when I talk to students about being bummed about school going virtual or not having like the same opportunities, that's what comes up the most is yeah. it's not like, man, I want to be in my algebra class. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I'm going to miss the Friday night football games. We're going to miss the homecoming dance. We're going to miss all these things. And so um, I think it's easy for us to like, we're past that stage. <laughs> And to just be like, it's just a dance or it's just a football game or not even that good. <laughs> but it, it's something different to the high school students. And it, I think for a lot of them, it, it feels like something they're being robbed of, especially because, you know, their siblings or their older friends, like they didn't have to deal with it in the same way. So I think a lot of high school students are viewing that as essential. Um, with the younger students who aren't necessarily like counting down their, their K-12 days, I think it's more okay. Like those, 
those fifth grade dances and things like that. Like they're going to have other opportunities, but I think high school students, especially like the juniors and seniors I work with, there's a finality to, to some of these years. And those events are definitely milestones. Wow. You are wise. Couldn't agree more. I'm not a school psychologist, but I agree with you. Go ahead. Okay. You hack yes. Hack yes or hack no. Working collaboratively with peers in a face-to-face -face setting. Heck yes. So I, I think there's just something to be said about face-to-face -face interactions and having a person there. It's, um, I don't know if it's easier to read the nonverbals or if you're able to attend more because there's other people there like holding you accountable. Like you're not necessarily like holding your phone underneath the screen, which I know I've done in meetings before. Um, like, so I had a meeting today with a couple of colleagues and we moved into a big classroom and there was four of us and we were way spaced out, like probably like 15 feet away and just, you know, doing our meeting and it made us feel safe that we could do that. But it was just great to like see them and catch up and um, it's so much easier to coordinate too when you're not trying to set things up online and really you can just, you know, meet at that one spot. People know where to go. Um, so, I, I, heck yes, I really support the face-to-face -face if you can do it safely. Okay, we've got two more for you. Hack yes or hack no, interacting in person with school personnel who hold power, such as teachers, counselors, or coaches. Uh, heck yes. Again, I, like, I'm, I'm very pro face-to-face -face if you can do it safely. And this, this goes aside from the question, but one of the things that like I've kind of vowed that I would do if we end up going online, for some context, our high school right now is planning on doing five days a week in person with everyone there. We've had about 10% of our students opt to go virtual and we're gonna support them as well. But so it's still gonna be mostly in person until we hear otherwise. Um, but if we do end up going virtual, like my plan would be to like try to do home visits and things like that, where I can knock on the door and then go stand <laughs> on like the bottom of the driveway or things like that. Because I think that the face-to-face -face really is so important. And, and same, with, um, same with teachers, same with administrators, like being able to, to have those conversations are just a little bit easier, especially during a time when everyone is so busy. Um, I think, you know, finding time to get on your computer can almost be harder than, you know, someone just stopping by your classroom or stopping by your office. Mm -hmm. The reason I wrote that one is because I just remember a totally different experience in talking to someone with in power in high school when you have to talk to them face to face and what a developmental uh, milestone that was for me to be able to like go up to a teacher and ask them a question versus just shooting an email or kind of uh, some of the, the online stuff that's a little bit less of a, a developmental skill. Would you- and I think part of that is generational too. And so like for us, email is just so efficient and we can do it on our phone and you can communicate at all times. And um, that's been like a professional weakness for me at like starting is I, I've had teachers annoyed with me that like I'm sending them emails and why didn't he just come talk to me? And to me, it's so justifiable. It's like, I can crank out seven emails in the time I can have this one conversation. Um, but I think when you look at relationship development and trying to get closer to your colleagues and, and have them feel heard, sometimes doing it face-to-face -face is easier than putting them in a position where you just add another email that they have to respond to. I'm um, doing that. Nice, okay, this is the last one. It, it kind of goes hand in hand with that, but it's a little bit different. Um, hack yes or hack no, experiencing socially awkward situations like who to sit with at lunch, addressing peer disagreements face to face. Uh, yeah, hack yes. <laughs> I think that that's potentially something that a lot of students will miss out on is um, messing up and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and coming up with different solutions of how to handle those. Um, specifically, with the students I work with who have like intense anxiety or maybe they participate in outpatient programs or things like that, the big way to address some of those things is exposure therapy. And so uh, like some of the tasks that they'll get like seem ridiculous, like you have to, you have to go up to like a, 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 a McDonald's place or a cashier and you have to order something, you have to order like a taco 
and make yourself like seem ridiculous with, and some people would really struggle with that. Um, and that's something that people, even without anxiety, aren't getting those same opportunities to, to make themselves feel uncomfortable and learn that it's okay. And that's the big point of doing that is you can make those mistakes and then you leave and you're like, what happened? I'm no worse for that. Like it's okay. And for a lot of people, I think not getting those exposures could make it so um, they're not as well prepared down the road to, to do some of those, those things. That makes a lot of sense. I, I might try to order a taco at McDonald's just for fun. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I was like, where's he going with this? I love McDonald's. I'm still yeah. McDonald's example. I think that's our first ever on Sister Hack. <laughs> Good. Yes, Kevin. Okay, we have some questions for you. So you experienced your role in a socially distant setting this spring as a school psychologist and everyone went on the part. What effects did it have on your ability to be effective, whether those effects were positive or negative? So I think it was harder to get a hold of students mm. because normally in the school setting, they come down to me like in the counseling office and then I just call them back to my office. Um, or if they forget, or if I have two students in a, in a period, I can just call the study hall room and they send them down for me. And it's like, they're just right there. Or if I have a free period, I can just go down and just pick a kid I haven't seen in a while and just do that. Like, it's so easy. Um, with virtual, it was kids all like scheduled back to back during like my son's nap time. Like how many meetings can I cram in during this window? And I would find that like one kid wouldn't be awake yet at like 12.30 PM. And then I don't get a hold of him until 12.50. And then I have another one at 1.10 and then everything just gets pushed back. And so it was really challenging um, in that way to, to just get a hold of kids and have that consistency. I think that um, you don't have the same connection with like nonverbals and having that like physical presence. And another challenge was that um, like I talked to kids about some serious things or some serious experiences and sometimes like mom or dad would be working next door, like right next to their room or, um, and they, they're just not as comfortable having those conversations, you know, in that environment versus like my office where like they don't have to worry about being overheard or things like that. Uh, the one positive that I think came from it is it just seems like if you are going to like zoom or do a Skype meeting or whatever with a student and like they're in the comfort of their own home. I think it makes them feel like very cared for mm, that someone yeah. from school yeah. is like trying to connect with them in that sort of environment because it could easily just like out of sight, out of mind. Um, but I think to like get those emails or get those phone calls and be like, Hey, I like, I want to see your face. I want to see how you're doing. I think that does more than what I talked about before because it's so easy in the school setting. So I think, it means more to them if that extra effort's being made. That's a good point. And it's a different kind of personal because um, like they can see how your living room looks or you can see how their living room looks or, you know, just kind of the weird nuances that you don't get in a school setting that I've observed with my coworkers, especially too on Zoom. It's like, oh, your daughter lost her tooth last night. <laughs> yeah exactly those little things that you also wouldn't have at school while there's a lot you don't have at home you wouldn't have that at school like when I had a student who would like carry me around on his computer and like have me talk to his parents and, yeah. Stuff like that. and so yeah you get to know a little bit more about them oh that's cool okay go ahead sis so speaking of that age demographic and you talked about you kind of referenced it earlier when you're like I know we're past dances and stuff so we don't necessarily see how meaningful they are but um with the 14 to 18 year old age demographic what type of toll is 2020 taking on this age group um and conversely what type of resilience have you witnessed or what could millennials like us even learn from this age group so the missing school piece has been difficult and last year, it was really interesting because like juniors just did not care. Like 
they wanted to be in school, like everyone missed it, but it was like the seniors who were missing prom and missing graduation who were especially bummed out by that. And then I think talking to some students over the summer, like no one thought we would be here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the juniors were so okay with it because they didn't even view the idea that we were going virtual in the fall as like a possibility. It was five months away. Like they did not think there was any way that this was happening. And now um, I think they're very scared of like what's going to happen with their senior year. And same with like some freshmen I was working with today. Like, are they going to be able to start high school, like get that experience or is that going to get pushed off? So things like that. So there's definitely frustration. Um, An article I read last week talked about how like suicidal thoughts in young people are up 25%. So I think the mental health concerns are going to be huge. And there are, there are some people, there's so many variables that go into like adolescent mental health and how they could be impacted by this. So whether it's like their parent lost a job and their quality of life has gone down or a family member got sick and they're dealing with that, or I've had students whose parents are you know, higher risk and they're not able to leave the house or see friends. And so I think a lot of ways it's, it's nice to say like, you can do these events, like just be smart and be distant. And, and, but some families are being very strict. And so you think about like kids who aren't being able to leave or like see anyone in any sort of setting. And if there's no end in sight, I think that's where a lot of that pessimism comes from and, and students can feel really negative about that. So, so it's scary. Um, when you look at some of the positive things, I think that they're, there's an appreciation for school <laughs> that yeah. I never yeah. thought I would see. Um, I always thought, like I, I've always had like some nerves in my head that like the computers just take over anything and that online school is gonna come or there's gonna be like a computer program that replaces like, school psychologists or whatever. Um, but I think that this has shown me like the majority of kids do not want to be online like they want the in-person and they want that so that that's been a positive that I've seen and then I think some students really struggle with online learning like they need the support they need the scaffolding that happens in the the school setting but other students like it has given them a lot of practice with like independent learning and being able to to motivate themselves and sit down and organize and things like that that um like college students struggle with. And that's normally like the shock that they get once they hit that post-secondary level. But now high school students are responsible for going through, you know, their database and all their classes and checking their emails. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens this fall because the spring, it was kind of just like thrown on them. And now I think a lot of students are are expecting these things and, and they might be even more prepared to build on some of those skills. I like that. So, and Kevin, you're a dad and you have two kids of your own. How has your role as a school psychologist influenced you as a parent? And do you ever take the school psych hat off as a dad or do you leave it on? Do you take the sister hat cat off ever? Oh, gets a little wet when I shower and Hannah, you know, I (laughs) swim in normal clothes all the time. So. It's dirty in lakes, but no. So the school, the school psych hat never comes off and it's awful. So that means paranoid the entire pregnancy, anxious for every developmental milestone and overreacting about like typical toddler tantrums. I'm like, okay, like how bad is his anxiety? He can't self-regulate. He can't like all of these things. So it's, it's Wait, how old are your kids for listeners? I have a two and a half year old and an eight week old. Okay. So I'm not as nervous about the eight week old yet. <laughs> but but it's it's just always on my mind and, and so that's yeah. really tough. Um but it also helps me know like there's certain risk factors or they're called ACEs, like adverse childhood experiences that can really influence kids. And so just trying to, you know, protect you know, our two boys from any of those and make sure they're unconditionally loved. And, and I think it helps learning like how to talk to them in better ways. Um, I, and I think I, I do a lot of like reflecting on myself of like, I raised my voice way too many times today. Like I didn't like how I did that or I didn't like how I do that. 
And so I, I'm always in my head of like, that was really good today. Or you had a bad day. <laughs> Hopefully you can do better do you, tomorrow. Do you um, rank yourself? Like, what, how was your day today? Like how, one out of five stars. How was my day today? Yeah. yeah. Oh, today, today was probably five. I did good today. Oh, yes. But well, he, our, our two and a half year old had a full meltdown at the doctor's office that Jenna got to deal with. That's my wife. And so uh, <laughs> she, she's probably around like a, a one or a two right now. But when I, when I was with the kids, they were a little bit nicer to me than they were to her. I think it, that balances out if one parent has a one star day and one parent has a five star day. Glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure she's digging the balance today, but we'll get through it. A couple things off of that for our audience to know, Kevin, you are home with your kids for a lot of the summer. So Kevin and I, when I was in Wisconsin, we kind of just like did play dates for the whole day, every day. And that was also his swimsuit reference because whenever we go to a pool or something, he's like wearing normal clothes. And <laughs> oh swimsuit. no, are you a t-shirt swimmer? <laughs> well, no, I'm not gonna swim. I've seen him in it. I've seen him before. So like I'll go in, like I'm not trying to get wet. Hannah makes us go in Lake Michigan. It's like 12 degrees. And so I'll get like my ankles wet, but I'm not trying to. Yeah, you're not full submerged. Right. When Hannah's acting like I'm out there in khakis and a polo, like I'm wearing athletic shorts and a t-shirt. Okay. Like it's not, it's not too crazy. It's not that serious. <laughs> Kevin, okay. we are, this is a new, a new segment right here that we're doing on you here. It's called Sister Ask. And we have <laughs> his face. He made a shocked face. His face right now is shocked and shocked. a little nervous. Nerve shock. Um, we had some of our listeners write in. We let we told them that we're interviewing a school psychologist and we had folks write in questions for you. So I'm going to share a couple of those and perhaps you can give your perspective for them. So one of our listeners, who's also our cousin, Candace, mm -hmm. um, she Candace. Hi, Candace. She and her husband, um, our cousin James, have a preschool going to have a preschooler going to school for the first time ever. They can't do a classroom visit and they don't get to stay on the first day like other years. How can they help their preschooler with this transition? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would go to the school, even if you can't go into the classroom and just kind of practice drop off and walk around and show where recess would be and things like that. Um, there's things that I'm sure local libraries would have or you could look up online, um, whether it's a social story or just a book about like a kid's first day of school, like there would be plenty of those to kind of talk through them. Um, one of the things that we talked about with our experience today with our son at the doctor is like, did we prepare him enough? And I don't think we did. We, I think we mentioned yesterday and maybe this morning that you'd be going to the doctor, but we were talking about it. We were like, we should have had like taken out his doctor thing and put a mask on ourselves and taken out the stethoscope and then taken out the other tools to look in his ears and look in his eyes. So related to school, I think even talking about what those days might look like, like, oh, you're gonna sit in a circle and read a story or talk about what day it is and I think even practicing some of those routines or reaching out to the teacher and ask for like what that daily schedule is looking like, because they can just talk about it more and even practice like different things. Yeah, I, like, I love that tip. Is there such thing as like, or maybe it depends on the kid, but overanalyzing those situations too, where it can also, it can almost like push them to the point of fear. Like I'm thinking about the doctor's office and my five-year-old, I feel like I don't want to talk to her about it too much because she'll like think about it forever. Mm -hmm. is yeah, it, I is think, yeah, I think it's always individual and you can kind of tell like what those responses are. Like if it's helpful, great. Um, but I think having those, those more frequent conversations and letting them know like they're safe and this is what it's going to look like and this is why you're doing it. Um, eventually you can like slowly start to, to break down some of those fears. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, today we had we couldn't um, take the kids into school. We had to drop them off at the front, but I did warn them for a long time about it, and it seemed to go really well with our three-year-old and a five-year-old. 
that mm-hmm. they knew that I wasn't going to be able to walk them in. And they have been to the school before, though. That also makes a difference because they're just very comfortable there. So, yeah. I have a, we have another question. This is a friend of mine. She's a school social worker. Her name's Molly. And she was wondering what your top tips might be to build and maintain relationships with new or incoming students virtually. Mm. Yeah. Virtually. So I'm, I'm thinking hard about this one because in, in my role, a lot of it ends up being referral based. Mm. And so um, like parents will reach out to me or maybe a student reaches out to me. And so I don't always have to initiate as often, but sometimes if like a parent or a, a, a teacher reaches out and I have to contact that student, um, I, I normally start with email, especially if it's virtual, just because um, a lot of high school students I find are, they don't always like meeting with the school psychologist. <laughs> and so when I was an elementary school psych um, for Milwaukee Public Schools, like those kids would love meeting with love any it, adult because yeah. kids just love adult attention. And so it's so much easier to form those relationships high school students sometimes like there is a stigma meeting with like the school psychologist, even though I, I try to keep our conversations a little bit more informal because I think that helps them be more comfortable. Um, but I think, I think just getting your face in front of their face and so yeah. they can get to know you. Um, it might take a little bit longer to go through some of those rapport building stages. And so for example, like normally if you're going to start meeting with a kid like every week or every other week, like the first week or maybe this like first two weeks are just spent like getting to know one another. Like you're not digging into like, what makes you really anxious about this? Like, it's really like, what do you do for fun? Let them know a little bit about you. And so it might take a little bit longer about um, um, in that virtual setting. And then again, um, I think not giving up if it is hard to get a hold of them. Cause a lot, I'm guessing, you know, if she's a social worker, a lot of her students are probably like difficult to get a hold of at different times. And so like staying persistent and reaching out through different methods of um, email, phone, maybe a home visit, just letting them know, like, I know you're like having a tough time, but like, I'm still going to be here. And I think mm-hmm. that shows the student a lot. Consistency. Would you recommend doing what people who try to sell me stuff do where they're like, hi, I'm doing your neighbor's roof and um, does 10 a.m. work better or 3 p.m.? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I normally leave it a little more open, like what time works best for you, but still in a way that like you're expecting a response. That's a hack no, Hannah. Okay, well, I've, I've felt very cornered by those people lately. They, they just give me times that I never even asked for their services. Um, okay, this is a friend who lives near Hannah, Stephanie Warner, wants to know how can parents be of support to educators during this time? Mm. I think talking to your kids about some of the safety measures can be huge. Um, I think with us opening five days a week, like what parents communicate at home and kind of like the approach that they're taking towards distancing or masks or things like that, uh, like their kids take that on. Um, and so obviously like we, we do have some like scared teachers at school or being there and we have some who are at risk and things like that. And so I think the first thing that we need to do this year, if you're going to be in person, is just making people feel safe. And so helping your kids with that. I think trying to take it easy on your teachers for, like, I, I am 100% pro-involved parents. And especially, like, with education and things like that, like, I love that. Recognizing that teachers this year in a lot of places are being asked to become online teachers managing you know a virtual classroom that they've never done before or if it's like our school they're doing an online classroom and in person Mm -hmm. and so when they get done with in person they're responding to student emails and things like that so the more that parents end up bearing them with emails the less kids that they're able to help and so so making sure that you only send emails or calls if it's like urgent or really important. And then the other thing that I heard last week that I thought was really cool was um, like kids getting sick 
probably isn't what is going to shut down our high school. It's going to be like staff getting sick and staff having to quarantine and not having enough people to cover classrooms. So teachers go out, they can still teach virtually, but you need another body in that classroom keeping an eye on the kids. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that a local elementary school did was they pleaded to the local teachers and all the families like, or not teachers, the parents and said, please go get your substitute license. Because <laughs> oh, it would yeah. be like earth shattering teaching or they're not expected to you know, change the world. But sometimes we just need a warm body in a seat to keep the doors open. And so if that's the situation that she's in, you know, talk, trying to get that substitute license or having friends or other people who might have that availability uh, to help in that way, I think that could be huge. That's a, I like that tip. That's pretty tangible for those who can do that. Uh, and like you said, too, in the beginning, just giving, giving grace to is, oh, and the other thing that I was going to remark on, um, being supportive of whatever rules that the school's putting in place at home. I think just making sure that that's a, a vibe that you're giving off of, hey, these are the rules, so we're gonna follow them, as opposed to like, I roll, you know, mm-hmm. that's a dumb rule. You don't have to do that. Then the student's not gonna be respectful of, of what the school's putting forth, so. Great tip. One more, one more. Okay, one more. Um, my friend Meredith wants to know, in your opinion, how is this really working for low-income families when they are doing, like, how is virtual education really working for low-income families that perhaps um, this is hitting a little harder than others? Um, I mean, it's not. The... Yeah the research and the studies show that like it's not equitable and some of the lower income families have been hit harder and that's something that i try like my high school is a more affluent high school but we also have a good amount of students who are on free and reduced lunch and who rely on you know the breakfast and lunch at school and so a lot of schools have done a good job of like providing meals and we've been able to you know, rent out computers or, or hotspots so they can have Wi-Fi and things like that. I think some of the things that you see with the socioeconomic piece is that sometimes families aren't able to, you know, modify work schedules. And so we might have a high school student who also has two younger siblings at home trying to do their school, but the parent still has to work because they have to pay bills and things like that. While you know, some of our other families are able to, you know, take sick leave or take this time off and be totally fine. And so I think that's, it's important for teachers to be aware of that, but also I I want our students to be aware of that, whether it's COVID or not, that you don't always know what other students are going through and how much harder it is for them to get an an assignment done, you know, compared to what they're experiencing. So hopefully this experience helps people to be a little bit more understanding of, of what people have to go through. Great tip. I think, I think that um, we all hopefully have that on our radar because of a lot of things that have happened this, this summer and um, just moving toward more equity in all fields, but education, I think it's just a huge one that we need to uh, consider. And there's no easy solution either when, you're talking about a technology divide mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and a resource divide and a parental involvement divide, not mm-hmm. by choice. Um, okay, well, we have a few hack- hacks for you, and you just gave some great advice, so I'm just going to choose my favorite one for, uh, there's a hack for that. So if you're cutting out a little, or just be sure you're facing forward. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bossy sister. <laughs> right, Kevin? I'm the head bobble sister. <laughs> <laughs> Her head's on a swivel. My head's on a swivel because I'm trying to choose which hack I want him to answer. I think I, I like this one um, because we do have a lot of parents out there. And um, can you offer a hack for parents or, you know, those involved in kids' lives who 
when they notice their kids are beginning to socially withdraw because of some of these COVID-19 habits, um, what can we do when we're practicing being safe and quarantining? Um, how can we intervene? Yeah, so we, we had big issues with that with our two and a half year old. And so when he, his daycare shut down and I was doing virtual school, like we would go on walks every day, like little adventures and different trails or whatever. And we were trying to be really like conscientious, you know, COVID folks. And so we would see someone coming and we would walk off the trail and, and make sure we let them pass. So we were keeping our distance. And for him, like it really coincided with like the stranger danger phase. And then he just started being scared of everyone. And so we made the decision that he had to start going to parks again because like the, the risk of COVID was less than the risk of like what this was doing to his development. And so I think you have to continue to do exposures safely as possible, but you have to be aware of like what your kids needs are. So that doesn't mean that like we're going to take him to Disney and he gets to go nuts and <laughs> be around like thousands of people. But it's like he needs to, you know, see kids. And I've heard so many stories from parents that like their their kids have been quarantining so long. Like I heard a story from our, our daycare that she the person said they talked to a parent who brought their kid there and they didn't know kids still existed, which is oh so sad because they were away from kids so long. They saw kids playing on their playground. And if all you do is stay home and you're not getting that exposure. And so I think that can have a huge impact on kids. Um, my tips for how to, how to approach that would be to just get creative. And so with like our high school students last year, like I would tell them like, yeah, go hang out, like go do something, but do it distanced. And so a, a lot of what like those high school kids would do is they would go pull up into a parking lot and they would back up and they would sit in their trunks and they would just talk and have that face-to-face -face interaction. I think you can go hike. I think you can throw a Frisbee around together. I think you can pick those select group of people who will hopefully stay safe with you. And you can like create your own bubble and you can feel comfortable like spending time with those people. Um, but I, I think you, you really do have to be aware of, of like the risks of how long, like, how long is this going to continue? And what would a year off of some of these like big developmental exposures do to kids? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think we've already been, um, you know, just hit with the idea that this, the upcoming generation is so much more anxiety than previous generations. And so there's almost like uh, just an intersection of that with, the pandemic and the negative and empathetic yeah yeah so they got a lot you know i don't envy it i don't envy a teenager right now should we do one more hack can you give us a hack for teenagers who are missing milestones or events yeah um i or think any age i guess any yeah missing a milestone weddings weddings oh i know that's so sad um i think the most important thing that we can do as um as adults who maybe not be missing like these things that feel as big is just to to let them feel their feelings and just agree like it, it sucks and i think sometimes like we always try to find the silver lining for them of like, it's not that big of a deal or other people have it worse. And I would recommend not trying to minimize the feelings that people are having. And the kids are gonna complain about missing those things cause it's valid and we don't need to fix that situation. We just need to let them know that we're listening to them and, and that we agree. One thing that I, I think would help if you're trying to think of you know how to help your kids who are missing some of those things would be to like help them get excited about new milestones mm -hmm. and so give them be like when when this is done like let's hope this is done by spring break like let's do a road trip mm -hmm. and let them kind of research some stops and where do you want to go and have them like where do you want to eat on this day and just give them things that like they can really dig into and like plan their own trip like i mm -hmm. think that would be fun 
I think you can have them plan like a party in your yard the next day and they can figure out like, what are you serving and what games are you going to play and what people do you want to invite? So give them like these other things to look forward to that might not be right now, Mm -hmm. but you can still let them plan and get excited for other things. Um, For older kids, planning like college tours and things like that, it just, it helps them continue to look forward instead of just focusing on what you were supposed to be doing this weekend. Yeah. That's a great That's tip. a great tip. Yeah, seriously. I'm going to take that You're with just heart. a knowledgeable, wise counselor, man. But I bet he's not going to know what hashtags we're going to say on him. So don't, because we came up with those ourselves. <laughs> I tried to encroach on your territory. You guys yelled at me. Yeah. Oh yeah, he we were group texting and he started sending out hashtags and we said that. We're like, oh no, you can't do them. <laughs> All right, what do you got for him, sis? Let's hash it All up. Right. This one is uh, based off the McDonald's taco situation. Hashtag awkward taco. <laughs> oh man, that's better than my McDonald's hashtag. I just wrote McDonald's hashtag McDonald's taco. <laughs> <laughs> really made an impact. Awkward. Okay, hashtag Arrowhead Hackhead. Arrowhead is the high school that Kevin works at. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect. All right. This is this is the new Nike. Um, this is going to be just like that. Hashtag do it distanced. Mm-hmm. Hashtag maximize the feels. <laughs> Don't minimize the feelings maximize the feelings all right this is my last one since his last name is lewandowski hashtag school lewandowski oh there we go that's one i can't outdo that we'll end on that one on that note school lewandowski hey thanks kevin do you have anything else that you're like when i go on sister hack i want to make sure that i say this that you want to share no this was the best night of my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was an honor. I Had will be at- invited to Hannah's wedding. That would have been right up there, but you just weren't That would have been close. This is, this makes me feel a little bit better for getting shunned from that invite list. Um, but yeah, and your, your guests to ask questions or your listeners, they are as smart as I thought they would have been. What a great opportunity. You're a part of that group. Yeah, part of that group. Thanks for it. Thanks for it all. All if right. You'd like, oh, I was just going to offer him a position on our um, advisory board. Oh, yeah. So far, it's just my mom. And my friend, Anna. Oh, yeah. Anna's on there. Forget about her. I do. I have been known to send Hannah unsolicited advice. <laughs> and one of your pieces of advice was that we should make the episodes longer. So I think you just inadvertently did that. So this isn't a three episode series that we're starting right now? <laughs> we'll see how the beginning of the school year goes we might need to do more yep all right hackhead all right see you next month see you later bye see you thanks for listening to sister hack for podcast news and updates and some awesome pictures be sure to follow hannah and rachel on instagram by following at sister hack podcast